We are given one life, full of billions of small and large decisions, to be somebody, to change, to be kind, to give hope, to become a better person, and to leave a lasting impact on this planet. It is a decision to be made every single day while your heart is still beating. We've made our decision. Absence of clothing. Atheist and science-based apparel and merchandise. Donating 50% of our profits to charity. Look good and feel good, without God. Check us out at absenceofclothing.com and find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest for discount codes and other sweet swag. Speaking of discount codes and sweet swag, why don't you head on over to absenceofclothing.com, type in the promo code EVILTWINS, and you will get 10% off. Not only will you get 10% off, but you're going to do something good for the world. Please give back, people. Hey, Brad. What's up? Do you like beer? It's all right. Why don't you take a little swig of this, my friend? What's this? That's Sunday's Coals from Old Town Brewing here in Portland. Damn, that's good. Crisp, sweet, just like summertime, my friend. And you like summertime, don't you? Love it. Do you like beer now? Yes. Would you like more? Yes. Well, to find out more about Old Town Brewing, go to otbrewing.com. And they have lots of information about their amazing company and ways to get a hold of them. Cool. Check it out. otbrewing.com, baby. The information contained in this podcast is for entertainment use only. Please don't take a single word these two assholes say seriously. I'm Thad. I'm Brad. And we are the Evil Twin Podcast. Do you have anything you do like before a performance to I like a like a couple glasses of wine or something to <laughs> now, what's the goal here? To continue making as much money as they can for as long as they can before they get busted. First of all, props to you for knowing about the Septuagint and the Vulgate yeah. So I'm beyond third grade? Wait. <laughs> We're we're seeing first year graduates here. Like that was that was impressive. Yeah. Um, so most of the sort of instructions for building a time machine to go in the past start with something like collect ten neutron stars and make them into a cylinder. Uh, so it's not something not something you're going to do tomorrow. Some of the most compelling theories of personal identity rooted essentially in your preferences, your likes, your dislikes, your experiences, your memories. That's that's essentially who you are. That's all you are. You know, they had the LSD experience in the 60s and the 70s which i caught the tail end of that was amazing then there was the ecstasy coming through the rave scene uh, i was involved with that and that was amazing and then it seemed to go very cold and then the most unexpected to me but delightful this emergence of ayahuasca welcome, welcome to the evil twin podcast what's up people what's up we're hanging out at my house just on the couch chilling Chilling. We had a long, uh, interesting day. Very long. Very interesting. <laughs> we, um, so we're going to just have a little conversation about what happened. We, we uh, consumed some psilocybin mushrooms today. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty epic. Pretty profound. Pretty profound. And then we had a really interesting conversation with uh, Martin Ball. Yeah. Um, and we were idiots. Yeah, I mean, I even called him Michael or Mike at some point. Yeah, we, we we're we're struggling for words right now. Um, 
And I don't know what don't know what else to say other than that. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. You come back from something like that, and uh, your mind isn't all there. You're very fuzzy, and it's hard to to match the words up with the meaning, and it all doesn't even really make sense for a while. But right. um, we got through the interview. It was a great interview, and uh, so we want you to go ahead and listen to it. Yeah, who is Martin Ball? Why don't you tell them that? Well, he is a uh, he's a podcaster for one. So he's a fellow podcaster. Yes. He's got an amazing podcast called. The Entheogenic Evolution. Yes. That's been around since like 2006 or 7 or 8. I don't know. A long time. Mm-hmm. A long time. And, and I've been, we've both been listening to it for a long time. But let me just read a little, bi- a little bit of his bio off his website. It says, Martin W. Ball, PhD, is a writer, independent publisher, energy worker, visionary artist, and musician currently living in Ashland, Oregon. Yeah, I could read his whole bio, but what you really need to know is he is a fucking badass yeah. who knows his shit about um, psilocybin mushrooms and uh, all kinds of other um, entheogenic, uh, hallucinogenic type substances. Um, he's He's been around the block a few times. He's uh, one of these Burning Man guys. Oh, you know? okay. he's been he's He's been known to, uh, to uh, hang out at Burning Man. And uh, he's just a, he's a burner. He's just a really cool guy. Yeah. And it was it was great to have a conversation with him. I feel weird because I was so out of it on the you know. But yeah, the, what can you do? It is what it is. This, this podcast is going to be a little bit different from our normal routine. This is the opening. <laughs> this is us just talking. Listen to the interview. Hello there. It is I, the Oracle. I'm pleased to announce the formation of a new spiritual community known only as Vast. The mission of Vast is simple. We want to make getting married easy, special, and amazing. Our easy online ordination process will have you officiating a wedding in no time. Do you have other options? Sure. Can you get ordained on other websites? Absolutely. But why would you wanna? Vast has everything you would want at the most affordable price. Free. The troops are gathering. The mechanism is in place. The bell will ring shortly. So head over to vast.church and get yourself ordained. Hello, evil twin. Martin Ball, what's up? How's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. How are you guys doing? Good. We're doing good. It's good to talk to you, man. Yeah, good to talk to you guys. Um, I'm using a new microphone. How does it sound? Sounds awesome. Sounds great. How do we sound? You guys sound great. Good. Sweet. Evil, pure evil. We like that's evil. what it's all about. All right. <laughs> what is evil? That's the question, right? How do you how do you define e- evil, Mike? Uh, probably things you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> Just stuff you don't like. Yeah. <clears throat> well, hey, we um, I had a whole agenda planned on talking to you tonight, um, but we ate some mushrooms today. And uh, that agenda <laughs> kind of fucked up our agenda, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're uh we're feeling kind of spent and tired we're still looking de- definitely looking forward to talk to you but we want to let you know we're we're like kind of a little fuzzy 
All right, that that's all right. Got no problem with fuzzy. Yeah, you're probably you've probably been fuzzy a, a time or two in your life, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, once in a while. <laughs> hey, you you had the um the first podcast I ever even listened to. Really? Yeah, the Entheogen, you know, your podcast. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know what a podcast was when I started listening to your podcast. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, I turned him on to it a, a long time ago. I started listening to it. I probably was listening after you released the third episode of your thing, and then I listened to it for you know as long as you've been putting out episodes, and uh, been following you and what you've been up to. So, well, we, nice. We've had the pleasure of uh, hanging out with Hal. Yeah. And being a part of the uh, the temple. Yeah. We've partaken in that. So the toad happenings. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, we're definitely want to have you back on at some point and talk about that <laughs> for sure, and how that relates to all this other stuff, too. But but today was the first time that we had ever uh, partaken of the mushroom. Right. Really? And, yeah. First time ever. Yeah. We're, wow. in a, we're congratulations. We're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of weird. We we, uh, we have experienced a lot of w- different stuff in our life, but for whatever reason, we had never um uh, had the opportunity to sit down and have mushrooms. Both of us are sort of, uh, what do you call it? We have, we we'll both have families and children yeah. and all that stuff. So, so, you know, we're middle aged dudes with responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I hear you. It's hard to find, even to find time to do something yeah, like that. We had that. to schedule this like six months in advance <laughs> trying to find a Sunday that we could actually do this. Yeah. That's like, I've, I've never tried LSD and people are just blown away by it. like, how, how can it be that you've never tried LSD? It's like, look, I don't have all day anymore. Right. You can't do everything. <laughs> just, yeah. I just don't, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your, um, maybe why don't we start here? Why don't we go back to your first experience with mushrooms and tell us a little bit about how that was for you? Yeah. Well, my first experience with mushrooms, um, really is, there's not a whole lot to tell about it because um, it wasn't, wasn't really a significant amount. And that's one of the things that I learned early on that, especially with something like mushrooms or really any of these medicines, that you don't really have an idea of what they do until you take enough to kind of cross a certain threshold where it's like, oh, this is what they do. You know, like, yeah. like, here, like here in southern Oregon and maybe up where you guys are too, it's really popular for people to eat like mushroom chocolate. Yeah, like everybody mixes mushrooms in their chocolate, Mm -hmm. and I I talked to some people about how oh yeah, every party we go to we eat mushroom chocolate, and so I was talking to him about it and said oh well that makes the party interesting when you start seeing things, and I've had people remark to me like oh I've never seen anything on mushrooms. It's like well, (laughs) uh, how how much mushrooms are you eating? Yeah, like what do you mean you've never seen anything? You did not even just like little geometric patterns and like, no, no, nothing like that, you know, but I feel great. And it's like, wow, well, that's, that's not enough mushrooms. No. If you haven't actually seen something. But anyway, the first time I took mushrooms was, uh, let's scrape through the old memory banks here. Um, it was the summer, uh, the very beginning of the summer after my first year of college. And, um, back in college, my, that first year I had people telling me like, Oh, you really got to try some mushrooms. We think you'd really like it. And so I kind of had my radar open for mushrooms, but they just never crossed my path, you know? 
So there was this one guy at my university who wore this shirt with mushrooms on it. And so my friends were telling me like, oh, yeah, go ask that guy. I'm I'm not just going to go up to some guy because he's got mushrooms on his shirt and ask him if I can get mushrooms. But anyway, (laughs) the beginning of the summer, um, I was house sitting for my parents in Chico, California, and also taking care of my dog. And uh, my dad and my stepmom were out at UC Santa Cruz, where my dad was teaching um, summer school chemistry. Anyway, I had kind of this reckless friend, Gary. And uh, Gary wanted to go to some festival called Gathering of the Vibes, which was happening somewhere out in the forest. He didn't even really know where. I mean, this is the crazy thing about Gary, (laughs) that he's like, oh, we've got to go to this festival. He's like, where is it? Oh, it's somewhere over there. We'll just we'll go find it. Oh, okay, Gary. Anyway. <laughs> Always some dude named Gary. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is running you ragged. Anyway, um, it, it, my friend uh, Damon and I, we go out with our friend Gary, and I get someone to watch the dog for the weekend. And this is like the first weekend of the summer. Um, of course, I don't tell my parents then I'm going to go do this because they think I'm just going to be in Chico taking care of the house and the dog. And here I, I've got this plan to go to this, you know, festival, which I had never been to a festival um, at this point in my life. Uh, so the whole thing was new for me. Anyway, we we totally overshoot the turnoff for the proper highway to get to this place. And so we have to backtrack, I don't know, 100 miles or something like that because that's Gary. Um, I assumed he knew where we were going, but he didn't. Anyway, we get there and there's a long line of cars to get into the place and Gary's driving and there's this guy walking down the line of cars and he's just saying shrooms, shrooms. And so Gary leans out the window and is like, yeah, man, we want some. And I'm really nervous. Like, oh my, we're just going to buy mushrooms from some guy. I mean, how do we know he's not a cop or, you know, (laughs) he's really paranoid about this. But anyway, he buys a bag. And I didn't. I have no idea what a good bag of mushrooms looks like or doesn't look like at this point. It turned out it was pretty much all stems, and there wasn't a lot of blue in there. But I didn't know you were supposed to look for these kinds of things, you know, like a nice mixture of caps and stems, and it should be staining blue and things like that. Anyway, so we had this bag of stems, and I think it was probably the second night of this festival, which really blew me away at the time. I'd never been to a hippie festival. And man, there was like naked people walking around and (laughs) people in dreadlocks and people meditating out by the river covered in mud, all naked. And and I was like, didn't this stop in the 60s? I mean, people people are still doing this. I mean, I was really amazed by all this. So anyway, like the second night, we, you know, we split this bag three ways and I don't even know how much it was. Was it a quarter? Was it an eighth? I don't know what it was, but we split it three ways. And so we're all just in there munching on these mushrooms. And then somehow my friends, Gary and Damon ended up going off somewhere and I got separated from them. And then the mushrooms are coming on. And the best way that I would describe that first experience is I just felt weird. Yeah. I just felt that this is really weird. I don't know what's going on here, but I feel really weird and I feel really out of place. And I also had this really odd feeling that I didn't know who I was. And kind of looking around, it's like, I don't think anybody else knows who they are either. (laughs) And I felt like I could just look right into people and, and really sort of see where they were at in some significant way. And it 
really just weirded me out. I didn't want to look at people because it's like, oh, I'm seeing right through people. And I don't mean like Superman vision. I mean right. like seeing into what's really going on inside them. And it just made me uncomfortable. Like this, this is kind of freaky. This is weird. I don't want to see this much about people. Yeah, You know, I, I just want to enjoy the festival and listen to some music. And I thought this was supposed to be a good time, but I'm feeling really weird. So I cruised, the, you know, there's a bunch of booths and stuff set up. So I kind of cruised through those looking for my friends. And the more I couldn't find them, kind of more sort of this panic is welling up within me like, oh, shit, I can't find my friends. And I've got these weird mushrooms and I don't know what the hell's going on. And uh, I don't know who I am and why am I seeing everybody as they actually are. And I, I don't like this. <laughs> and so then I kind of wandered out into the crowd um, that was watching the music. And then I saw my friends, Damon and Gary, they're like sitting in the middle of this crowd just watching the show that's going on. And there was some, you know, Afro-pop fusion band playing at the time. And so as soon as I saw them, then I kind of relaxed. I was like, oh, okay. And I went and I sat down with them. And then I started paying attention to the band that was playing. And that's when I actually noticed something interesting visual going on that I'm, I'm watching the stage and it's like, wow, everything's breathing and like these colors are moving around. And at that point, I really got into it and I, and I had a good time. Okay. But my initial reaction after that experience was, you know, just internally to myself, just thinking, why would anybody eat these things? Because it's just so strange. And I was really into smoking pot at the time. And, and hey, it's legal in Oregon. I'm still really yeah. into smoking pot <laughs> we are too <laughs> so that that has not changed one bit um but at the time i thought you know why would i ever want to eat mushrooms versus just smoke some pot which i feel great and i can relax into the music and you know everything's groovy so that was like my first mushroom experience um but then the next time i took mushrooms i took significantly more and within a, a matter of minutes started to hit that visual threshold hmm. and then I felt that I began to have an appreciation for what mushrooms actually do versus just sort of this, whoa, there's this weird stuff going on. And I personally, I get a lot of gas from mushrooms. I know that a lot of people do. So I've kind of had this little tagline that I kept around for years of mushrooms would be perfect if they didn't give me gas. <laughs> you know, yeah. but um, having crossed that threshold into a more visionary and visual state with the mushrooms um like that second time i was in a room by myself i, well, I was with gary again okay so i was with gary and damon again God damn gary man <laughs> i know gary so wherever gary's place in chico this is probably later in the summer and i'm sure gary got the mushrooms and said hey you want to come over and eat some more mushrooms like okay i'll give him another try so anyway we get over there and we split up the mushrooms again and then, you know, we eat them. And then there's still some left over. But uh, as soon as we eat them, Gary says, I've got to go to 7-Eleven, man. I, I need to get something at 7-Eleven. Wow. And, you know, I, I was always the straight kid. I mean, really in many ways. I was just the, the total straight kid. I was the straight A student. You know, I was the kid who did everything that you're supposed to do. You know. Yeah. You know. Good little boy. Anyway, so Gary's talking about like getting in his truck and driving to 7-Eleven. And I'm just thinking, this is what they warned us about. 
we're not supposed to do this. <laughs> so I declined. I said, no, you, you can go to 7-Eleven if you want. I'm not going anywhere. And for whatever reason, Damon went with him. So they take off. And so I'm alone in Gary's house. And oh, Gary shit. at the time, he was really, really, really into like really heavy dub music. He was hanging out with a bunch of Rastas and Chico. And so he would just listen to this really heavy dub stuff all the time. And this is like old school dub, you know, it's really yeah. sparse with like big, thick bass, barely any drums, and just every once in a while a little bump, 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 you know, and kind yeah. of the chord sort of echoes out. So I'm sitting alone in the room, and then just wave after wave, the mushrooms are just coming up and they're coming on. And I'm looking around the room, and the first thing that I notice is that all of these bare white walls look like Celtic knots. I mean, looks exactly like Celtic knots that I've seen in, in Celtic artwork. And so, so my first thought was, oh, this is what all that shit about fairies is about. This, <laughs> this is where all of that comes from, is that these guys were taking mushrooms because this is like fairyland, man. Yeah. This, like Everything is alive and everything's conscious and there's these patterns everywhere. And then, you know, the, the patterns, they didn't stay on the walls. They started to fill up the whole space. And it's just, it was going off. That, and so here I am just listening to this dub, you know, <laughs> and the mushrooms are just flowing and flowing. And then Damon and Gary burst back in. It's like, okay, well, they, they survived the trip to 7-Eleven. And Gary's got a whole bunch of people with him. <laughs> oh, man. And, you know, I'm in this I'm in this really trippy state at this point, but Gary's got all these people that he just pulled off the street. Wow. So he lived pretty close to Chico State, uh, which at the time, I mean, this was like the number one party school in the nation. And he just, I mean, literally like MTV and Playboy named Chico State as the number one party school. <laughs> and he's got this whole crowd of people coming in and he's like, come on, I want to smoke everybody out. And I'm just thinking, um, I don't know these people. I don't want to be with these people. I'm tripping pretty hard here. So I just kind of sat off to the side and then Gary got everybody high and then all these people left. And then Gary had hid his mushrooms and forgotten that he hid his mushrooms. So now he's, he's going into paranoia realm. It's like, those people just stole all my mushrooms. I've got to find my mushrooms. So he runs out of the house and he's running up and down the street asking people, did you take my mushrooms? <laughs> they, would have, they would have actually taken them. Meaning, yeah. like, swallowed them if they would have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably would have swallowed it. It probably would be too late. And then he comes back and he finds where he hid them. And then Gary says, let's go for a bike ride. And I'm still thinking, like, I'm tripping pretty hard. I'm happy just to sit right here. I'm having a good time. But, you know, Gary's got to go for a bike ride. So we get on our bikes and we ride out into the orchards um, on the southeast side of town. And we're just out there and it's pitch black. And so my bike light is shining into the the night and there is just so much going on in that bike light i mean there are universes inside that bike light and i'm trying to ride my bike and it's like whoa uh, there's a lot going on in there yeah and so finally we get way out of town in the middle of nowhere and again gary says let's lie on the road and look at the stars and so here again another bell goes off like this is how stupid teenagers die, right? Yeah. <laughs> that they're lying in the middle of the road on a black street <laughs> with no lights and some car is going to come up and crush us. So Gary lies down in the middle of the road and Damon joins him. And so I, I went over and I sat in the orchard and just tripped in the orchard for quite some time. 
And then Gary finally decides, oh, we should go see a friend. And so we get back on our bikes. And by this time, we're on the downside of the mushrooms. And so I'm really enjoying them at this point. We go over to this guy's house, and he's watching Star Trek The Next Generation. And I sit down on the couch, and man, it was the best Star Trek episode ever. I can't tell you what it was, but I was into it. And and that was really the point when I decided that uh, Captain Picard is a way better captain than Captain Kirk. <laughs> you saw the details like no, like no time before in your life, I would imagine. Yeah, it's like this this guy... He's, he's got it figured out. He's got it figured out. He's rational. He knows how to give commands. He knows how to delegate authority. He cares <laughs> for his crew. He wants the best <laughs> for everyone involved, you know, versus Captain Kirk is just this gung-ho swashbuckler and he just wants the ladies or whatever. Yeah. But anyway, that was my second time with mushrooms. And at nice. that point, I started to have more of an understanding of what it was actually possible for them to do. And then, of course, it went well beyond that in, in later episodes. But those are my first two experiences with mushrooms. Yeah. So those are my first two experiences with any psychedelics at all. Wow. Yeah, my first experience with mushrooms was uh, a little different than yours. Not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> yeah, we both had quite the experience today. Yeah, I uh, I had no idea what I was getting into when I when I decided to put these things in my mouth. You this had morning. some idea. I I thought I had. Well, I, I had done DMT, so yeah. I, I know. I thought I had an idea. Yeah. Right. So I so I crunched down these like. Uh, yeah, they taste like. Phew. Uh, they taste manure like, yeah well they kind of taste like uh what was it sunflower seeds yeah, a little so, bit yeah like kind of earthy earthy yeah woody. yeah yeah earthy and uh you know li- little did uh little did i know what was ahead of me and I- i'm not even going to try to like put words to it because it doesn't really fucking matter let's be honest but <laughs> it was a it was a it was i want to call it a game changer but i've had other game changers so i'm not going to go so far as to say that it was a game changer but it was uh, uh another eye-opening experience to uh to uh help me move forward in my life with so yeah Mush- mushrooms are really amazing and i think that you know in the current climate where it seems like everybody wants ayahuasca and everybody wants dmt that yeah. people kind of people sort of forget about mushrooms and you know in in the in the grand scheme of things mushrooms are not all that different from ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I don't know if ayahuasca is really giving people more than what they could get from mushrooms. I mean, I know that it's got the harmaline, so that it does have somewhat of a different element yeah. in there. But, you know, psilocybin and mushrooms are basically edible DMT. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to endure, you know, kind of buckle yourself in for the five to ten minute massive DMT trip. Right. And, you know, then that, that takes a lot of courage to yeah. go through that. But something that's going to last for six hours, you know, yes. that even if it's not as strong as a DMT trip, man, it gives you a lot of time to freak out or panic or, mm-hmm. you know, go through whatever it is that you need to go through. So, you know, that that's a different form of endurance and, and bravery. And, yeah. you know, so... You can get a lot out of them, and they can be really, really powerful. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So, as far as like the actual scientific aspect of it, um, what do you know? What they're saying now, as far as is it, what's the research? Like, med- like, like how how is it medical or uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, help? How is it helpful on a on a medically medical speaking, yeah. or even just like 
chemically speaking with your brain. I can't even think right now. This is what happens when you take mushrooms. You can't fucking talk. Um, well, the, it's still, I would say, in the early stages of this research. I think that we're really in a beautiful era where a lot of this is starting to open up. And people around the world are really starting to look at this in a way that they haven't looked at it before. And there's now human studies that are being done. But just from what we know at the moment in terms of what kinds of studies have been done and where some of the benefits are, um, one of the really clear ones is with cluster headaches, which these are mm -hmm. these, okay, so you guys are evil twin, right? So may maybe cluster headaches are evil because <laughs> people really, really suffer from these cluster headaches where it's like, compounded it's not just a migraine headache it's these clusters of migraines that go on and uh people are just completely debilitated by these if people suffer from cluster headaches they describe it as feeling like thousands of knives being jammed into their head all at once i mean just a pain i can't even imagine i've never experienced anything like that and apparently if you take one strong dose of psilocybin mushrooms, that those cluster headaches that people might suffer from on a daily basis, those can disappear for up to a year. Wow. Wow. And it's not really known why this is, hmm. but we do know that it works. So it's, it's one of these areas where definitely more research needs to be done because we don't know exactly, but what is the action? Why does this relieve cluster headaches? Now, the cluster headache sufferer is not going to care too much about why it works. The most right. important thing is that it does work. And uh, apparently LSD also uh, works in a similar capacity. Mm. Um, now, they're both tryptamines, so that might have something to do with it. Um, but that's one use that's been determined for psilocybin mushrooms. Um, the other places that people have been looking at use of psilocybin is more on the psychological level where um, different research groups have now looked at people who are suffering from chronic diseases such as AIDS or cancer. And a big part of these terminal illnesses, of course, is the psychological burden of knowing that your own death is coming. Now, we all know that, mm -hmm. but to actually be confronted with it, that, mm, you know, you've got like six months left, that that's a hard psychological reality for people to grapple with. And so now psychological work has been done where taking people who have these diagnoses, they are given sessions with psilocybin, not to cure the cancer or the AIDS or anything like that, but to help relieve this existential anxiety about people's impending death. And the results have been very, very promising that it does help overcome these kinds of anxieties. And even more broadly, um, studies have been looking at how administration of psilocybin can actually help people overcome depression. And one of the interesting things that's now being done with like brain imaging and mapping is that parts of the brain that gets involved with depression and depressive thoughts and kind of... Um, these feedback loops that people get into in a mental state when they become increasingly judgmental and negative about themselves, that it feeds back on itself. And some of these areas of the brain actually are somewhat shut down when 
people consume psilocybin. And so it kind of, so someone who can't get out of their own mind, they can't get out of that depressed mind state, you give them a good dose of psilocybin mushrooms and it just turns it off. And so it gives them a window of five, six hours, whatever it may be, where that ongoing depression narrative that's been running in their mind endlessly, it just evaporates for a time period. Mm -hmm. And that allows people to release a lot of attention that's built around that and give them something of a reset. And these kinds of studies are being done um, often in conjunction with therapy, you know, talk therapy and things like that. But they're often finding that it's it's the action of the mushrooms themselves that seems to create the greatest sense of relief. So even, yes. even without the therapy, that it does seem to have very positive benefits, psychologically speaking. Well, I know that I can definitely relate to that. I mean, just from the experience we had today, um, it does seem like there is a, a, therapy, a therapeutic use for it in terms of, yeah. of that kind of stuff. And um, I'm really – one of the things I like about you, Martin, is that you're – you kind of take all the bullshit out, you know what I mean? Um, and me and me and my brother, we don't like a lot of woo woo stuff and it would be easy to, to take this, these mushrooms and to have an experience and then interpret that experience to mean certain things or to, to take it off in some wild direction. And, um, but I think it's important to just be realistic about what it is, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's it's uh, it is something that ex- it seems to expand your consciousness and put you in a different place. That's sure. definitely what I experienced. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't seem to be a like any sort of cure all or anything. But it's a, definitely a great tool that people could use. Yeah, and a lot depends, of course, on how people are approaching it and what they're looking for from it. And Really, you know, when we're talking about people who are taking it in a therapeutic setting, I mean, there's different ways that we can engage a therapeutic setting. For example, going out into nature can be profoundly therapeutic for people, especially going out and you're tripping on mushrooms or going through the forest. It's exquisitely beautiful. It's magical. But most of these studies are done in the context of people are given the psilocybin and they are put in a room and they're invited to lie down and to put eye shades on and just listen to some music. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this is one of the things that I've found that it, I strongly feel engages the therapeutic aspect of these medicines the most is this practice of taking mushrooms or taking whatever medicine it is that you're working with and then actively doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I and feel then, like we had music going yeah. on at first and it, it, it started to feel a little, um, I don't know how to, I don't know. Yeah, it's word. like the music, we had to get rid of the music. The music was too, too much dictating yeah. the direction of things too much. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to choose your elements correctly. Yeah. And then within that, there's this aspect of just doing nothing. And I would say this also applies at the mental level. And so this is kind of where sort of the danger that you guys mentioned uh, just a minute ago is that there is all this mental content that arises and there's all this um, imagery that arises and it's it's mind blowing it's fantastic stuff i mean it's wow look at all this where did all this come from <laughs> and part of the not doing means 
not only not doing something physically, but also not doing anything mentally. So there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with visions or anything like that or content or images, but it's the aspect of not chasing after it or not immediately trying to mentally interpret it or to fit it into a narrative or a story. So this is something that comes up, for example, in Zen meditation that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're taught the difference between Buddha mind and monkey mind and monkey mind is always running after stuff and it's always busy, busy, busy. And the goal of Zen Buddhism is not what most people think is to just have a perfectly clear blank mind that that's, that's not actually true. That the more standard practice is observe your thoughts as they arise and then let them go as they go and not to chase after them, not to be caught by the monkey mind. And this same fundamental criteria applies to visionary content of psychedelic medicines that observe it as it comes up, but don't be attached to it. Don't be, you don't need to be afraid of it. You don't need to be attracted to it. You just observe it and then you let it go as it goes. And the danger is that people get so excited by what they observe in this visionary mental space that they want to impinge meaning upon the experience and say, well, oh, well, this is this realm or these are these spirits and this is telling me what to do with my life or whatever it is that, that people are then injecting into that narrative rather than just being present and observe it. And another guideline that I put in there is always pay attention to the energy that you're feeling inside yourself, that a lot of the visionary content is actually riding on top of a deeper energy and it's more of an emotional state. So are we in a state of wonder? Are we in a state of fear? Are we in a state of love? Are we in a state of retraction or uh, repulsion or whatever it may be? And that then the content can then conform to that more fundamental energy. So the more that we just pay attention to what's going on with ourselves, the more we can get out of that. And then the more healing and therapeutic it becomes. And and the danger is when the ego gets in there and wants to do something Mm -hmm. with it or make something out of it. And and that's where people get attached. Yeah. Yeah. I found myself trying to figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard. It's hard not to. Yeah. I was, I was really wrestling with that. Um, trying to just like make sense of it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the the emotional part of it, the feeling part of it, it ended up being almost like the main. It's almost like that's all there was huh. actually. Yeah, is this emotion, and I don't even know what words to put into you know whatever that emotion was. But um, yeah, it yeah. was it was intense. Yeah, I was able to pretty much sustain a, a sort of a Buddha approach to it. You know, I was able to to get to a point where I could just appreciate what was happening yeah feel the experience kind of ride it out yeah but uh and not get too swept away with it you know yeah yeah um and i i think that's partially i don't know if it's because we're in our 40s and we're just grown men that i'm i'm not looking for some new narrative you know i'm not looking to redefine everything in the world i'm just it's I'm looking more for, for, as far as this experience, just to have the experience and um, and have my mind opened up a little bit more about it, but mm-hmm. not try to put too much meaning on it. Yeah. Know? After the, the the chaos that I went through uh-huh. telling you this right now, <laughs> I, I, I came back and like the, what just keeps coming through my brain is like I, I just think like you said earlier, Brad, yeah. like the clear. Yep 
sober yeah. state. Yeah. Yeah. I was my 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 one big lesson from today is like the uh, that sober human consciousness is the ultimate consciousness. That's the ultimate. Goal. <laughs> <laughs> because because you can go off you can you can affect your consciousness in all kinds of ways, but there's nothing like just having clear sober consciousness. Yeah, and, and there's something that when I when I came back from it, I mean, I was like, I felt like I clawed my way back to reality <laughs> that's what i felt like i i went i had a i had a adventure yeah and i and i didn't even know what was going on i mean i was i don't even know but as i came back out of it i just was just like yes i was just like yes like like reality is just so amazing <laughs> Isn't it? You know, Isn't it? and yeah. that, and that to me was like such an amazing lesson out of this. And I've not, you know, I've been through a couple things before, but for me today was like, Whoa, just like coming back. I ended up having to get, go back out in my backyard and take a knee for a second, <laughs> got down on one knee and I was just looking up at the sky and I was just like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and there was a crazy moon out. It was, it was a, it was a great day. Yeah. But yeah, all, we... all that woo woo stuff aside, you know, when, when we, after we did it, we went, we went, uh, we had a little bit of a break and then we, we drove downtown and got something to eat and I just kept looking around at everybody and I just kept thinking like, this is, everybody's just trying. They're just, they're just trying, yeah, yeah. you know, and there's a, a, a sense of compassion that mm -hmm. I was feeling and a sense of like, I don't know, just acceptance. I don't know. I could go on <laughs> forever just rambling, but. Yeah, well, that that is all part of the clarity that you're talking about. That you know, when we take these medicines, a lot of what bubbles up within the experience is stuff that we haven't found resolution or clarity on, yeah. and and it comes in the guise of weird aliens and strange creatures and odd situations and things that that challenge us because you know it's stuff that needs to be resolved in its own way, and it's giving us an opportunity to kind of sort through all of that. But again, from sort of this passive stance of just, we'll just observe it, let it arise and let it go. And then you feel the energy swell and then you feel it burst and then the wave goes out and then you, you just stay present within all that. And then once all this stuff clears out, all that we're left with, and this, this sounds like an oxymoron to someone who thinks that, oh, you're just talking about drugs, right. but it is this profound state of sober clarity because our our minds are so accustomed to working poorly yep. that you know when when we actually relax into these levels where our mind is just functioning clearly yep. and again you know the, the the psilocybin it's just working as a neurotransmitter and so it's it's improving the capacity of our mind and our brains to process information in various ways and it, the, the end result, if it's done well, is just this clarity, this appreciation for life, and hopefully just an appreciation for reality. I mean, yeah. just this reality that we live in is the most amazing thing ever. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And then it also opens up our compassion because especially when we get into these moments of clarity that we realize like, wow. I'm pretty fucked up most of the time. I'm running myself on all these programs and like everybody else, I'm just trying and underneath it all, there's someone who's scared and someone who doesn't feel worthy of love. 
Mm-hmm. And this is a fundamental condition that maybe 99.9% of all humanity suffers from. This feeling of isolation, this feeling of not being worthy, of not being good enough, of being scared, of being held in judgment by ourselves and by others. And so when we can find that place of clarity within ourselves, it just opens up that compassion. It's like, wow, everyone's trying really hard. And maybe maybe if we could help people try a little bit less mm-hmm. and relax a little bit more and trust a little bit more, that maybe that could really ease a lot of tensions among other people. But then the other side of that that you also realize is like, oh, but I had to go through this for myself to realize this. Yeah. So everybody else has got to go through it through him or herself. So, I mean, you, you, you want to get out on the corner and tell everybody, hey, everybody, just relax. It's okay. <laughs> it's an amazing reality. And people are like, fuck you, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. So Yeah, there seems to be a, a major paradox going on here with uh, just this, this idea that there's this, like, unexplainable, fantastic ridiculous thing that can be experienced that will, you know, who knows what it's really doing. Let's be honest, Mm -hmm. but it makes you feel like it's basically showing you, um, peeling back the the layer and, and kind of almost exposing you to the, this chaos, this chaotic beauty is what I, I felt. It's just like, um, but it's, what's funny is like you take something like mushrooms and you're thinking to yourself, Oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to see something incredible. I'm going to have this, experience i'm gonna get in touch with blah 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 but then you come back and you realize what's really incredible what's really amazing is the reality that we live in yeah Yeah, that i can go drink a glass of water and i can go to the bathroom (laughs) and the sun is shining yeah fucking amazing and the thing that didn't make any sense to me that took a while actually was technology Oh, uh, you, you mean like just <laughs> yeah. using your phone it just, it when you didn't come make up. any sense? Like, what is that? What? It like took me a while to kind yeah. of figure it out. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, One of the things I thought was funny is I, I was snapping a couple photos, you know, just of the sky or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, you, you nowadays you take a, a picture with your phone and it automatically offers all of these f- automatic filters, filters and all this yeah. shit. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's yeah, that's you know, no, no filter. Thank you. I'll just take it straight. I'm just going to take it. Yeah. No filter. And me. that's exactly how, like how we live on a daily basis with, you know, these things that Martin's mentioning, these sort of feelings of almost self-loathing or whatever. Yeah. Um, Martin, do you think that's just like, um, like evolutionary? Is it just something that's in all humans or is it like a society thing? Well, that, that's kind of a hard question to answer because you'd really have to take a really big sample to, to really get at that. But I, I think that the cultural evidence seems to point in the direction that this is somewhat endemic among human beings, because for as long as human beings have been around, we have been projecting the sacred and the holy onto the other, right? You know, that it's, it's somewhere out there. It's not us. It's, the Pharaoh or the savior or the Buddha or whoever it is or whatever it is. It's always not us. Yeah. It's, it's not this place that God's kingdom is the kingdom that's yet to come. Heaven is not earth. It's somewhere else. So that we've, we've had these endemic problems of projecting an idealized state outside of and beyond ourselves to which, we then compare ourselves and therein we find the self-loathing and the judgment and the doubt and the lack of trust. And then the, the need 
to make ourselves worthy in what we are projecting as the eyes of the sacred, whatever that may be. So, So I do think that it's somewhat endemic among human beings. And I think that it's it's just largely due to the fact that we're incredibly smart, that we are self-aware animals in a way that, and I'm not trying to diss other animals. Sometimes when I talk oh, about yeah. this stuff, people are like, oh, but I love dolphins or whatever. It's like, great, great. I mean, they're, they're wonderful. But the thing is that we don't have any evidence that any other creatures on this planet think as complex with the same level of complexity about their existence as we do. Right. And so when we look at human beings, we have all this evidence of philosophy and science and religion and art and music and ritual. And so we, these are all ways that we are using our intelligence to try and make sense out of the fact that we exist. And yeah. we don't see other animals making art or rituals or temples or, you know, uh, deep metaphysical existential works of philosophy and things like that. This is a particular human problem and it develops out of the fact that we do have this very high level of self-awareness and that's, that's what we call the ego, the sense of self that I am here, I exist. Mm-hmm. And that automatically comes with a coupling of in understanding the self or in creating an image of the self, we also create an image of the other or the not self simultaneously. So we, we create subject and object in the same moment. And as soon as we start to ask, well, who am I? Then we're also asking, well, then what is not I? What is it that exists outside of myself? And that's where spirituality, religion, culture, art, philosophy, politics, it attempts to answer these questions Mm -hmm. for us. And the difficulty is that if we're approaching that from a place that is lacking in clarity, then all our attempts to answer this conundrum, this paradox of being, is going to ultimately be confused and will create more confusion among people who adopt those views. And so this is why in my own work, I really harp on the non-dual perspective of, of what does it mean to transcend the apparent separation of subject and object, self and other. Because, and you know, some people might say, well, that's just your opinion. But my view is that you cannot adequately describe the nature of dualistic experience unless you have had a non-dual experience. And not just one non-dual experience, but you've really spent a lot of time there so that you can then use that as a reality baseline from which you can appreciate your dualistic experiences of understanding the nature of both self and other as it appears within our normal dualistic everyday interactions. So I do think that that's very fundamental in order to produce clarity, in order to answer these kinds of questions, that if we're just coming at it from the confused, isolated self, the answers themselves are going to be confused and it's just going to make people more confused in the long run. Well, we'd both definitely agree with that. I think what's interesting to me is how these, these substances, whether it's mushrooms or DMT or whatever, they, they're, they seem to vibe with um, the Eastern philosophy so much more because of this idea of, um, you know, becoming one or, or, or seeing or acknowledging the oneness of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it puts you right in that space, you know, it gives you that direct experience. Um, so for me, I think 
it's an important experience. And I just want to know how we're going to be able to talk Donald Trump into doing yeah. this. <laughs> we need to do that. I don't know if there's much hope of that. <laughs> Although I, I have to say, coming back from this thing gave me a new appreciation for the Donald. <laughs> Not that I'm going to vote for the asshole, but he's living it. He's living this reality of like, I'm just going to fuck people. And I'm just going to make a ton of money and I'm just going to artificially run for president because it's fun. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think that's also part of the, the genuine realization of the nature of the self that, you know, when, when we're stuck in duality, we tend to develop moralistic and idealistic systems about this is the way people should be. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then when we go beyond that, we, you know, and really experience that, Oh, this is all just a few human fabrication that we are imposing these so-called moral rules on the universe and then trying to uphold them or, or whatever standards they may be. And when we go beyond that and really accept that, look, this whole thing is just a big game that one universal consciousness is playing with itself, mm -hmm. that it also allows us to lighten up about other people, not only lighten up about ourselves, but we can lighten up about other people. And then, mm -hmm. wow, Donald Trump, he's really an asshole. And he says a lot of crazy things. But you know, just like everybody else, he's just out there trying to do the best job he can in yeah. a state of absolute confusion. And yeah. so we can, we can have compassion yeah. for him. There's something and, disgustingly beautiful about <laughs> Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Someone, someone who has no sense of self-censorship that is just going <laughs> to go for it no matter what. There's, there's, there's something kind of noble about that, but it, it is coming from a place of confusion. And that's, again, why going back to clarity is so important. It's like, look, do what you want. Be the person that you want to be and don't make apologies for yourself. But if you can do that from a place of clarity, you are going to be a better person rather than an asshole. Yeah. And that has value. And it's not that we're upholding some moral ideal to which people need to conform because I, I thoroughly reject all moralities, but it doesn't yeah. mean that being an asshole is just as good as being a kind and compassionate person. Because I think that being a kind and compassionate person comes from a place of greater sense of self and greater clarity. And that has value, not a moralistic value. It has a personal value for the person. And when you say clarity, what is it exactly that you're hinting at? Well, understanding the true nature of the self was really would be my definition of clarity that when we can understand ourselves and how it is that we operate, then you see most human interaction is done at a level of unconscious projection where people are not actually interacting with other people. They're interacting with a projection that they have of that other person, including a projection of themselves. So in other words, we're creating ourselves into these different characters and it's kind of like everyone's walking around in a movie, in a yeah. sense. But people have forgotten that they're in a movie. So they're playing these characters and they're playing out the scripts that they think is appropriate for their character. And maybe it's a tragic character or maybe it's a self-righteous moralistic character or maybe it's a victim character, whatever it is. And so then we're, we're finding other characters to fulfill these particular roles for us. So if we, if we have a deep-seated self-loathing inside ourselves, if we really feel, 
I am not worthy of happiness and love. I will do everything that I can to ensure that that's exactly what I get from the other people that I experience in my life because I think that that's what I deserve. And so that's not coming from a place of clarity. That's coming from a place of confusion. So if we can come from a place of clarity to understand that, oh, I'm responsible for myself. I'm, I'm the one who's responsible for loving myself. And rather than projecting this onto other people and then being dissatisfied with that, that it's up to me. It's up to me to be the person that I want to be, to make myself worthy of love inside myself mm-hmm. so that that is what opens us up to clarity. And then also within that is letting go of the belief structures, that belief structures are always coming from a place of duality, of trying to categorize subject and object and the relation between the two. And when we go into the non-dual and experience, oh, everything is just the self, everything is God, everything is universal consciousness, everything is universal being, then the belief structures don't have the same power that they do. And that then we don't get tricked by these belief structures to where we're engaging in acts that are damaging to both ourselves and to others, but based on our beliefs rather than our knowledge of the self. Yeah. It also seems like belief creates um, separation in the form of I'm on this team. I'm on team Christian. You're on, you're on team Muslim. So we're going to be at odds with each other. And that's yeah. just that's just the religious standpoint. There's also the, um, uh, sorry, just political political result. standpoint. Yeah, yeah. just a, any sort of belief that you have. The r- race, I'm white, you're black, whatever. There, we have all these beliefs that are actually getting in the way of, um, kind of just accepting each other. And it's funny because that's that's we're, my brother and I are coming to this point with our podcast where we're trying to figure out kind of what we want to what is this all about? What are we really doing? Yeah. And, and it seems to come back to that, like just kind of playing with this idea of belief, playing with this idea of, you know, there isn't, maybe there is no team. Maybe. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Maybe there is, maybe there's no team. Yeah. Maybe we don't need to divide ourselves. And, and these divisions always come with the belief that I'm on the right side. Mm-hmm whatever it is. And so there's this, these notions of right and wrong that enter into it. And that's just sloppy thinking from the non-dual perspective that the right and wrong are just concepts. Yeah. And that there is no universal abstract sense of what is right or wrong. Yeah. And that these are things that we are, we are imposing them upon ourselves, but we often do it from a third-person perspective, that we say, oh, well, it's written in the Bible, or it's in the Quran, or my preacher said this, or Donald Trump said this, or whoever it is Mm -hmm. said this, and so, and I'm going to buy into that because this character is feeding my character in a particular way that I want to be fed, and therefore, I'm going to get self-righteous and insist that this actually is right, Mm -hmm. and that I'm on the side of good, or God's chosen, or whatever it may be, and that's all just self-created bullshit narrative. Yep. And just if you let it go, you can, everyone can get along much better and happier. So do you think nice. that, do you think the human race is um, kind of moving in the direction 
towards uh, improvement in these areas, or do you think we're stagnant, or do you think that we're kind of going backwards? Well, I think we've orchestrated a wonderful catastrophe for ourselves, and that it's it's either time we get over the bullshit, or we're just gonna we're just gonna kill ourselves at, at this point. That we've really reached the environmental and technological point, and you know, I don't think that this is necessarily either good or bad. I mean, I'm not I'm not being judgmental about it. I'm just trying to kind of call out reality about where it is. That if you look at human beings kind of stuck in these dualistic narratives. Of right or wrong, good, bad, you know, me versus you, whatever it may be, that essentially human beings are, I think we've really been in the infancy of our mental and emotional development. That, you know, we're self-aware toddlers. So we we have come into this self-awareness and we've created all these religion and cultures and art and some amazing stuff and some really awful, awful stuff that is harmful. Yeah, um, a couple bombs created. A yeah, couple bombs. <laughs> yeah, and you know, so we. But but we reach the point now where it's either we grow up, or there's not much hope for us. And I and I'm hopeful that we are in the process of growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that we're we're living at a very pivotal point in history because for one no matter what we do at this point environmental repercussions are going to be with us for centuries to come and i mean even if we stop all greenhouse gas production today we are still in trouble for a long haul Mm -hmm. and it's going to get much worse in that capacity before it gets better. And as this occurs, this is going to put a tremendous strain on social resources, on the ability of governments to govern um, and identity structures. All of this is going to be put under a tremendous amount of strain. And within that, I guess my hope would be is that in some sense that we let it crumble and that we we slough off sort of these childhood fantasies. You know, like as you're growing up sooner or later, you got to admit that Santa Claus just isn't real. <laughs> and that's kind of what I'm hoping that humanity is headed for is that, well, let's just admit that, you know, our religions and our spiritualities, they've actually failed us. They've actually helped create this untenable situation that we're now in. So can we emerge from this crucible with clarity, understanding that it's not going to be easy, that it's actually, it's going to be pretty painful. I mean, it's just like a really serious mushroom trip or a serious medicine trip that man, getting to the good stuff is not necessarily easy. Sometimes you've really got to go through the muck. You've really got to go through the shit. And if you've got wounds, you've got to tear those scabs off and let those wounds breathe and let them bleed out. And then it can heal afterwards. But you've got to rip all the crap off first. Mm -hmm. You've got to go through it because the energy is stuck and it's got to be released. And that then you can reach a place of being reset in a place of clarity. So I think that at, at a very large scale, this is something that we're going through right now. And it's it's no coincidence that during this time period that we're reaching these unprecedented levels of challenges that we're going to be facing on a planetary scale. I mean, 
previous catastrophes experienced by human beings have always been at the regional level. Mm-hmm. But we're, be, we're beyond that now. We are at the global level of dealing with these kinds of things. And it's during this time period that we have now seen the resurgence of interest and research into psychedelic medicines that Mm -hmm. because these are the tools that are going to help us the most to get out of this corner that we've painted ourselves into so you know that that's why in the big picture everything's perfect all the time don't worry about it just trust just relax that it might look bad but if we can appreciate that there is this grand evolutionary process that's taking place, that this is just kind of something that we need to go through, but it also doesn't mean that the outcome is guaranteed in any respect. And so there is still a level of responsibility there that if, if we want to shepherd in a more balanced world, then we've got to do the work in order to get there. We can't just sit back and say, oh, let God do it. Exactly. I mean, I mean, has that ever worked in the past? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's up to us, and it's not about converting people. It's not about getting people into the right belief system or the right social system. It's about getting people to a point of clarity so that we're no longer producing the crap that got us into this. Yeah. I feel like you're speaking my language. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, man. We um, want to invite you back at some point to uh, talk ab- about some more uh, some more topics. Um, today was about mushrooms. Um, I feel like you did an amazing job of covering not only the mushrooms themselves, but this kind of like uh, how it fits in with everything. And yeah, yeah, on a large scale and and even on a personal level. And I think for me, when I when I when I decided to take these mushrooms, um, I just thought. Oh, I'm just going to have like a fun little time. going to see some stuff, going to see some patterns and stuff like that. But what it really did for me was it just gave me a, a whole new appreciation for just the life that we're living in. And you're right. You can't just sit back and just like be a stoner and watch the world go by in front of you. I guess you could. There's nothing wrong with that, too. But um, I think it's also important to, to do something about it. And, um, so that's what we're trying to do in small ways with our podcast. And we just appreciate, uh, the chance to be able to talk with you. And, uh, so yeah, I don't know what else to say. Martin, if, uh, any of our listeners wanted to contact you or anything like that, do you have, uh, do you want to put out your Twitter and all that stuff? All right. Well, I don't tweet, so I can't give you my Twitter, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's just that's something I've never really looked into. Um, I, and I just had someone yesterday like ask me like, "What's your Instagram account?" I was like, "I've never even looked at Instagram, man." But um, so are you primarily Facebook focused? Or? Yeah, mostly Facebook. You know, I find that like one thing is enough. I was resistant to Facebook. I used to be on on MySpace, and I had all the different music pages on MySpace, and people were like, "Oh, you got to come to Facebook." It's like, "Fuck, man! I don't want another one of these things." <laughs> like, one's enough. So, yeah, I'm mostly on Facebook now. So you can find me on Facebook. You got to use the W, Martin W Ball. Okay. Same with my email, Martin W Ball, because someone else got a Gmail. Some other Martin Ball got a Gmail, Bastard. and man, he must he must get some interesting email <laughs> because. I, I know a lot of people have told me like, oh, I didn't I didn't use the W. So there's another Martin Ball out there who gets interesting stuff. So Martin W Ball at Gmail and my um my main webpage is martinball.net and then I mean I I've got too much stuff online. So like my my webpage can link you to art, it can link you to music, to my podcasts, books, you know, everything. Yeah, I would definitely point people to the martinball.net. 
Um, Martin has a bunch of amazing books that he's written, both fictional and otherwise. And uh, so definitely look into um, all of his activities and his work. Oh, yes. Keep 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 a close eye on me. Awesome. <laughs> we, we, we definitely will. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you guys for for having me on. It was a great conversation today. Um, yeah, thank you. It's nice. Uh, for some reason, I've done a, a spate of interviews over the past few months, and a lot of times, it's you know everybody wants to talk about five meo, which is great. I love talking yeah. about five meo DMT, but that's that's what everyone wants to talk about, and they want to talk about non duality, and it's like. Yeah, this is great. We just got to talk about mushrooms. I haven't got a chance to talk about mushrooms. <laughs> what I really need is a, a, an interview about salvia. It's been a long time oh, since okay. I've talked to anybody about salvia. But... We'll have to have you back for that then. I'm a little scared of salvia. Yeah, but... I've never done that either. <laughs> it's a weird one. It's a. It's fun. It's it's definitely one of those ones that a small percentage of people say that was so fucking great. I can't wait to do that again. And then the majority of people are like. That was so fucking weird. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> that's that's basically how I feel about mushrooms right yeah, now, to be honest funny. with you. I, I don't have any <laughs> desire to do that again. I'm sure I will at some point, but for now, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. But you'll you'll wake up one morning and you'll be like, you know what? I'm ready for more of that. <laughs> I'm sure I will. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks Thank you again, so Martin. much. All right, thanks for having me on, you guys. It was great. Take care. All righty. Bye. Bye. Coming soon to vast.church, the vast codex, the testament to end all testaments, the book to end all books. The vast codex will come alive episode by episode in the all new vast codex podcast featuring me, Jerry Esteban, also known as the Oracle coming soon to vast.church. Thank you for listening to the Evil Twin Podcast. To get the full Evil Twin experience, go to eviltwinpodcast.com and follow the guys on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Evil Twin Podcast. If you really want to show your support, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcasts on iTunes. And remember, there's no one more.